Our desire is for you to explore your faith in Christ, to ask the hard questions, to search for answers, and to make your faith your own. All topics are on the table. Nothing is too taboo to discuss or to ask. So ask. Email your questions to nick at summitcommunity.ca or DM us on Instagram at scc.youthgroup. And welcome to the SciCast. Welcome to the Summit Youth Podcast. Uh, this is a first of its kind. It's pretty exciting. Uh, this isn't something that I normally would have done if COVID hadn't have happened. But, you know, it's something that I've dabbled with before in ministry and and it seems to have worked pretty well. It's, it's a lot of fun for me to record um, because it, it provides an opportunity to kind of get all of that extra information that uh, that I study while preparing a sermon uh, out and and just kind of process it verbally a little bit. And uh, also it provides, I think, an opportunity for you guys to, to dive deeper into, uh, into what we talk about on a Wednesday uh, and as we explore these kind of foundational theological topics. So to get us started, my name, is Nick Kennedy. I'm the new youth pastor here at Summit Community Church. Uh, I, I am 25 years old. I, I was actually born and raised here at Summit Community Church uh, when it was planted in 1999. Uh, I was just a young guy then, but uh, I grew up at Summit, and when I was 18, I moved out to Alberta to study ministry, where I lived for uh, seven to eight years. And now I'm back. I'm I've returned, and uh, I'm more more excited than I've ever been. Uh, this is this is just uh, for me and and my wife, uh, and my dogs who have never been here before. Uh, this is just an incredibly exciting opportunity for us. Uh, we couldn't be happier to be back where our families live, uh, back where uh, you know we know lots of people and. Uh, of course, it was it was sad to uh, to leave all of our friends in Alberta uh, out there, but you know they're always welcome to come visit us out here. Uh, it's also nice being around Toronto Maple Leafs fans again. Uh, that was something that was definitely uh, difficult living in Calgary. Is there were a lot of uh, Calgary Flames fans, and not a whole lot of Toronto fans. All right, well. What I'd like to do is introduce our topic uh, for today. And our topic today is the Bible. And I want to explore it kind of on a different level. So so it's not going to be so much of like a how to read the Bible and you should read the Bible because um, we're going to touch on how to read the Bible at a later date. Um, and I don't think I need to tell you that you should read the Bible. Um, I think if you're going to talk about the Bible or if you're going to be a Christian, and follow, uh, you know, kind of the the rules of Christianity or, or have a relationship with God, then I think it's important that you read your Bible because the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, and, and through everything I say 
uh, on this podcast and uh, perhaps what you heard at youth uh, on Wednesday night, uh, know that I truly do believe that the Bible is uh, the Word of God. Uh, it is the, uh, the powerful, inspired uh, Word. So what I'd like to do is I kind of want to walk us through a couple, uh, a couple questions. So one of the questions I want to, I want to walk us through is who wrote the Bible? Uh, what are the different sections of the Bible? Uh, and why are they important to know? Like, why is it, why is it important that we actually know the different sections of the Bible? Uh, I also want to explore the question of how do we understand the Bible better? So I guess you could say that that those two parts of of this podcast will sort of play into the how to read the Bible, um, but we're going to explore it from more of a how do I understand the Bible better. Uh, and then lastly, we'll just quickly wrap up with uh, how do we have the Bible that we do? Uh, and that's going to be a conversation about the canon, uh, and we will... Uh, We'll touch on a little bit of history there. So, if you're interested in biblical history and uh, and that that genre, uh, then stay tuned, and I think you'll find this very interesting. Well, let's start with uh, question one: Who wrote the Bible? Actually, before we get started, uh, I know this is recorded, but uh, there's no time like COVID that has, um, I think, made our population more comfortable with recorded prayers than this. So uh, let me pray, and then we will jump into this podcast. Uh, dear God, Lord, I pray that uh, you would take the preparation that that I've done here, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, just speak your words through me. Um, God, this isn't so much a, a sermon, but I know that you have something that you want to say regardless, that, that there's something that you want to teach. Uh, God, whether that... Uh, comes from you speaking words through me or uh, from revelation that somebody gets uh, while listening or or contemplating or, or hopefully the the conversation and the thoughts that that follow listening to this um, God I pray that your message would be would be spoken uh, Lord we we release this to you uh, God I, I trust you with uh, the preparation with the podcast with youth with uh, with summit youth and and with uh, all of our plans during COVID. Lord, I release those to you and I trust you with them. Um, And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So this question of who wrote the Bible. Now, it's it's fairly clear in the Bible that uh, the Bible is God's word. And we've heard that lots. We've heard uh, you know, we've heard that the Bible is God's word. We've heard that uh, in some parts of the Bible, it, we hear that Jesus is the word, right? At the beginning of John, from John 1 to 5, it talks about how uh, how Jesus is the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, um, and it was hovering over the waters. But I still think it's an important question that we that we consider of who wrote the Bible. And, and the reason I think it's important isn't because it necessarily changes the message, but I think we get an even deeper understanding of the Bible when we know or when we explore who wrote it. Um, because I think we get one a more uh, 
chapter 3 verse 16 it says that all scripture is god breathed so i know for sure without a doubt that scripture is god breathed and therefore it is god's word and and it could pull you know tons and tons of verses where it talks about god's word but but we believe that regardless of who put pen to paper that the bible is god's book and they are the words of god now, I do believe that God used man to write the Bible. I don't believe necessarily that God, not that he couldn't have done this, but I believe he chose not to do this, which is miraculously summon a pen um, and write out the entire genealogy uh, at the beginning of Matthew or parts of Luke and um, you know parts of the Old Testament as well. Not that he couldn't have done it, but I don't think that he did it that way. Um, you know, we, we see the Ten Commandments. And Moses had the uh, tablets, and, and God wrote on those tablets. I think that's super cool. That's a really, really neat picture. Um, but I think that might have been one of the only times where God used a writing utensil, uh, so to speak, in the creation of the Bible. And so I'd like to explore this because it gives us, uh, it's, it's more, um, it's just more information that we can gather and, and therefore we can kind of see how the human author affects what we hear. Now, this does bring up the question of if man wrote it, could there be parts that are incorrect or biased? Uh, and of that, I, I say no, I don't think so. Um. I think that they absolutely affect what we hear, but in both Proverbs 30, verse 5, uh, and 2 Samuel uh, 22, 31, uh, it says that every word of God is flawless. Uh, similarly, in, and let me make sure I have this correct, uh, in John 16, 13 to uh, 14, I believe it is. Uh, we know that all scripture, um, or rather, sorry, uh, in 
what I just mentioned in Second Timothy uh, 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed, uh, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, uh, and training, I believe is the other, uh, the other word used there. So could it be bias? No, I don't think it's bias. Could it be... Um, could it be, let's say, specified? Maybe it doesn't seem like the right word. Um, but let's go with it. Let's say specified. Um, let me use an example for you, uh, just to make it a little bit more clear. See, the book of Matthew, we believe was probably written by Matthew, or if it wasn't written by Matthew, then it was at least uh, relayed by Matthew and then written down by somebody else. We believe that... Matthew had some sort of hand in the actual uh, creation of the book of Matthew. Now, Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, he, he didn't really like uh, the governing authority so much. He was kind of a bit of a selfish guy. Um, you know, he would take and, and whatnot. And um, he, had a, he had a Jesus moment when he literally met Jesus uh, in the flesh which would have been such a cool experience, but uh, we'll get to do that one day, I suppose. Anyway, Matthew was not a big fan of Pharisees. Uh, he did not like them. You can read all about it in the book of Matthew because he didn't like the Pharisees so much that, that really a lot of the Gospel of Matthew is focused on the Pharisees. It's focused on uh, kind of this battle that Jesus has between him and the Pharisees. And and Matthew also, um, being a, a Jewish man himself, he really, really emphasizes the quote-unquote Jewishness of Jesus, the Jewishness of Christ. And that's why when you look at his genealogy that he has in the uh, the beginning of his book, uh, or near, near the beginning, you can see how... Um, you can see how he takes... He takes Jesus and he takes the birth of Jesus and he brings it all the way back to, um, I believe it was to, to Moses, um, where he was taking that back to, or rather to, uh, to King David. Um, he, he really tries to kind of hit these, these major points of Jewishness, uh, show like, there was this great Jewish leader in his past, and there was this great Jewish leader in his past. Uh, it, it's a very important thing to Matthew to emphasize the Jewishness of Jesus. And so that's what I mean, where, you know, you kind of see how the author of the book doesn't change the message. Like Those things would have actually happened to Jesus, and God used them. Uh, for the Bible, that he used them in the creation of the Bible, but you can really see how Matthew, you know, he kind of, he kind of hammers on these things. He's very passionate about the interactions that Jesus has between uh, himself and the Pharisees, uh, namely, I believe it's Matthew 23, the seven woes. It, that's a very Matthew-esque chapter, and if you're curious about that at all, uh, go quickly read that chapter and then come back and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, and while you do that, you can pause it in this time.
time right here. I'm going to give you two seconds. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you read it, fantastic. If not, don't worry. If you already know it, congratulations. Um, I, I apologize for any background noise that you might hear. Um, another example of this would be uh, Luke. He, he was a doctor. And because Luke was a doctor, he actually, you know, you can kind of see him looking uh, a little bit more at uh, these healing miracles that Jesus did. And, and he uh, gives uh, a little bit more description in them. And so uh, it's really interesting if you were to go and read all of the Gospels, like read one a day kind of thing. I know it's, it's long, but uh, you could do it. And then compare them, compare and contrast, look at the parts of them that are the same, and then look at the parts of them that are different, and and find out why they're different. Look into why they're different, and look at how they differ, and how that kind of reads, and, and how that affects um, our understanding of each of the authors of those books. So this shouldn't be an overwhelming thing. I hope it's not an overwhelming thing. I'm not saying that you can't read the Bible unless you know everything excuse me, unless you know everything about every author and who wrote each book. Even biblical scholars and historians are not united in who they believe the human author of each book was. Uh, the human author doesn't necessarily change the message of the book. Rather, identifying who the human author is allows us to gain a deeper understanding of that person and what was important to them, and likely what was important to others at the time. Where scholars um, are united, uh, those who are Christian scholars, uh, where they are united, is the belief that the Bible is the written word of God. Um, there's a concept called inspiration, and uh, that kind of summarizes uh, this idea of who wrote the Bible. Uh, inspiration is uh, where the Holy Spirit would relay to somebody or, or put thoughts in their mind uh, from God. The Holy Spirit would speak to somebody on behalf of God, and, and it's biblical where it says, uh, and I can't remember the exact scripture off the top of my head, uh, perhaps I mentioned it at youth, um, because I'm recording this podcast before youth. Uh, so it will be mentioned at youth, where Holy Spirit, he doesn't speak on his own accord. Rather, he, he only relays what God the Father tells him. And so this is the idea of inspiration, where God the Father wrote the Bible because he spoke to uh, each of the people that had a physical hand writing it, through the Holy Spirit, and therefore they were inspired uh, to write the Bible. They were inspired by God's words uh, to write them down. Well, let's move on to what are the different sections of the Bible? Uh, the different sections of the Bible, these are really interesting because uh, you can look at them in, uh, in many different ways uh, as to what affects uh, or, or what yeah, what affects the classification? You can look at it in terms of literary style. Um, where, uh, for example, something might come across more poetic. 
uh, or something may come across more historic. Um, perhaps something is written like, for example, the Psalms or, um, or Song of Solomon, where they're written very poetically. Um, and by contrast, we can take books like Chronicles or the Gospels, which are written more more historically. They're they're not written as a this may have happened. They're written more like a this is what happened. It's kind of like how Jesus uses uh, stories and he uses uh, ideas and, and he uses those ideas and shares them through narrative. There are parts of the Bible that are written more poetically, and there are parts of the Bible that are written very historically. And um, I think when you read the New Testament, it's it's easier to identify those because the, they can change so quickly. So, for example, a gospel can go from being a historic um, retelling of something that Jesus did or something that Jesus said. And it can immediately jump into uh, a story or a parable that Jesus is telling and then takes on kind of a poetic nature uh, because it is now uh, a story that didn't actually happen. Jesus is telling it, but he's telling it as as a narrative rather rather than a historic retelling. Like the prodigal son, he, he didn't specify a specific person. He didn't call out one one dude, one father, one prodigal son, and one uh, one other son. He he said it kind of generalized. He made it like a story. Um, other parts of the Bible where we can read that is even in uh, King David's life when uh, he hears the story about the rich man who who goes down to the the lowly man with one sheep and he takes that sheep and slaughters it. And David hears the story and he gets all worked up and he gets angry and he yells and he says, who is this man? Like he must be punished. He must be put to death or put in jail or, or some kind of punishment. And, and then he hears that David, that's, that's you. Right. And so it's, it's a historic retelling, but then um, the story that he is hearing is not necessarily a historic story. Uh, it's actually just a narrative story, and so parts of the Bible are written more poetically, more um, more like a narrative, and parts of the Bible are written very historic. Uh, other parts of the Bible that we can uh, that we can determine are are separated by when they were written as well, or, or what what points in history. So, for example, we have what's called the Pentateuch. Now, if you don't know what the Pentateuch is, it's the first five books of the Bible. Uh, so that would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And if you were to read those, those are uh, basically, and I'm not I'm not a Torah scholar, but those are essentially the Torah, uh, which is used in, in Jewish faith. Um, and, and Jesus would have been well-versed in this, and uh, he would have known the Pentateuch like the back of his hand. Um, I'm not sure if there are other... Uh, if there are other parts to the Torah, but um, the Pentateuch is is one kind of section of the Bible, and it's written differently than some of the other sections. Um, we have parts of the Bible like Psalms and Proverbs that are written differently than the prophetic books, right? We've got, you know, a whole, a huge section of the Old Testament is, is the 
prophetic books. And so you've got the major prophets, like uh, you've got Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah's other book, Lamentations. And um, you've got minor prophets like Obadiah and, uh, you know, Ezra and even Jonah, who's like a minor, minor prophet. Because um, a fun fact about the book of Jonah, which we'll talk about later, it has the fewest number of prophetic words spoken in its book uh, compared to all other prophetic books, both major and minor. Um, you've got books that are, are written redemptively, or they're like the Gospels are written differently than the letters of Paul, and we can tell that they had different authors. So there are tons of different sections of the Bible, and the reason that they're important to know is because it changes the way that the books should be read and understood. For example, uh, let's take a passage in Leviticus. Now, the book of Leviticus is um, it's a book of rules. Let's call it that. Now, I know that you know Christianity. It often gets uh, it gets a bad rap, and the reason it gets a bad rap is because we have the Bible, and we believe in the Bible fully. I believe in the Bible, um, and the Bible is is you know like I said, it's uh, God's word, um, and it's it's perfect. It's God's perfect word, uh, and it's all God breathed. The reason Christianity gets a bad rap is because people often read the Bible and think, man, this is just one big rule book. And I suppose they're not wrong, right? If we think about the Bible for a minute, there are a lot of, you know, do this and don't do that. Like, I mean, we have the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. Like, don't do this. And, and God's saying, don't do this. Uh, you know, other people are saying, hey, you should do this. Uh, like, you know, pray, read the Bible. Uh, those are all kind of things that we can find in the Bible. Um, and and so Christianity gets a bad rap because people kind of think that it's a rule book. And I'll talk about that later because I think that a lot of, how do I want to, I suppose they're right, but it's not a bad thing that they're right. Um, I don't think that rules necessarily limit our freedom. It's really cool. I think a really cool youth pastor, like a youth pastor that wants to be cool and liked by all of the students and, and, and anybody who comes to him would say, nah, man, like the, you know, the Bible's not a rule book. And then would go on to explain how the Bible's not a rule book. And I think over the last year, I've kind of come to the realization that there are a lot of rules in the Bible. And there are a lot of rules in the Bible that I follow, and, and I think that we should all follow. And I don't think that those limit our freedom. You know, often we look at rules, and we don't like rules because they limit our freedom. They limit what we can and cannot do, um, or what we want to and, and want to do. But I, I don't think that the rules that we read in the Bible necessarily the ones that, that I think apply to us, I don't think those rules uh, limit our freedom. 
Rather, I think, alternatively, we gain freedom from rules. And the reason I think that isn't because I'm a Christian. It's because I live in a society that has rules. I mean, I'm not allowed to murder, not because the Bible says so, but because it's illegal. I mean, also because the Bible says so, but if I were to go murder somebody, my freedom is limited. I am put in jail. We could use an example not from the Bible, like, for example, um, driving without a license or driving before you are of age to get a license. That is illegal. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not drive before thine is 16. I mean, I just came from Alberta where, you know, the, the driving age, you can get your permit at 14, which I'm sure some of you students are, are listening from Summit thinking, well, that sucks. I want to get my permit at 14. I have to wait till I'm 16. You know, if I were to do... If I were to, say, not have a driver's license and then I were to uh, jump in Pastor Jerry's nice car and, and rip around town, I'm going to get caught. And my freedom is going to be limited. I'm going to probably go to jail or have to pay a fine or something like that, and then I'll have less money to do what I want. Uh, my freedoms are actually limited when I don't follow rules than when I do. And so I think the same can be said about about the Bible. Now, that was kind of a, a rabbit trail, and I want to talk about this example from Leviticus. Uh, let's look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 27. Here's what it says. It says, Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head, or clip off the edges of your beard. Now, I, unfortunately, can't grow a very good beard. Or really a beard at all. Um, and so I actually cannot clip off the edges of my beard and therefore am safe from this rule. Maybe some of you are in that boat with me. I have, however, cut the hair on the side of my head. And if you have ever gotten a haircut before, you've broken this rule. This is a rule, and it's in the Bible. Now, I said this was an example of why the different sections of the Bible are important. I think it's important to know that this comes from the book of Leviticus, and, and I don't believe that we're to take the Old Testament necessarily and throw it out. But this is a rule that was written for a specific group of people, and that specific group of people were, was the Jewish people before Jesus came to earth. And Jesus himself, he didn't, uh, he didn't take the Old Testament and throw it out either. Rather, he came and fulfilled the law. Now, I'm not sure which of these rules were uh, kept in the time of Jesus, but I think he understood as well that, that the book of Leviticus may not necessarily be prescriptive scripture. It might be descriptive scripture. Um, and what I mean by that is prescriptive scripture is scripture that we can take and we can, can we can prescribe in our own life. You know, we can prescribe it to ourselves. Um, we can take it and we can apply it directly to our life. So if the Bible says, do not cut the hair on the side of your head, uh, and we take that as prescriptive scripture, that means we will not cut the hair on the side of our head. If we read it as descriptive scripture, then we would get a haircut and think, 
man, that's really interesting how, like, back then, this is how uh, people used to live. This is what life was like. And, and, uh, and that's not how life is now, uh, but it gives us a clearer understanding of what life would have been back then, and therefore, uh, you know, why certain laws were written or why certain things happened the way that they did. So I don't necessarily think that the the passage in Leviticus in 1927 there, uh, I don't think that necessarily applies to our life. I don't think that we need to read that passage and say, okay, well, I've sinned because I have, I have clipped the hair off the side of my head or I've shaved. I mean, I've shaved. I just don't have a very nice beard. And so I guess I've broken both of those rules. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. And, and that's why I, I think we have to be very careful when we read the Old Testament. And we'll talk a lot more about that this year. I think it's very, we have to be very careful when we read the Old Testament because it's easy for us to take this concept and say, oh, all of the Old Testament is descriptive. And I don't want you to take that away from this because I don't think it is. You see, Jesus was who he was because he was saturated with the Old Testament. Jesus read the Old Testament. He studied the Old Testament. He knew the Torah. He knew the law. He knew God's word that we could find in the Old Testament, like the back of his hand. He probably, he knew it better than anybody else. And that's why Jesus was able to live the way he was able to live. You know, Jesus, although, yes, he was fully God, he was fully man, and therefore he faced all the same temptations that you and I face, maybe slightly differently. He didn't face the temptation of, you know, playing 12 hours of Angry Birds on your phone at night, but uh, he would have faced temptation in his life just the same as we do and the reason he was able to get through it wasn't because he was fully god but it was because he was fully saturated with the word of god he was fully saturated with the old testament so it's very important for us to study these books i think it's very important that we we take an interest in stuff like this because we need to be fully saturated we need to be. It's it's so much more fun, in my opinion. It's so much more fun to read the New Testament. I like the New Testament a lot more um, as far as like reading and finding things to apply to my life. The, the New Testament preaches better. I could probably write a far better sermon using just the New Testament. But without the Old Testament, the New Testament has no legs to stand on. Without the Old Testament... Jesus had no word to be saturated in. We need that Old Testament. It's so important. And so although I'm explaining these different sections and how maybe certain parts of Leviticus don't necessarily apply as prescriptive scripture, that does not give us the right to take the entire Old Testament and say, nah, this is all descriptive and none of it applies. I think that would be a very dangerous thing because as soon as we do that, we throw out the very thing that made Jesus Jesus, and we lose the ability to live our life like Jesus. Okay. I know that was a little bit deep. I was. Uh, thank you for going on that 
that thought journey with me. I, I had some of that written down and, and, you know, I just started feeling it. I just kind of went for it there. Um, I apologize if you disagree with me. And uh, if you do, uh, remember, you are more than welcome to reach out to me. Summit Youth, you know my contact info. Um, send me an email. Uh, you know, take me take me up on a, on a offer for coffee or something like that. And, uh, and let's chat. Um, I always reserve the right that I am wrong. Um, that's something that I will, I will never forget because I could always be wrong. Um, and while we talk about the Bible, let me encourage you. There's a passage in its first or second Thessalonians. And I believe whichever book it is, it's in chapter five. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, where it encourages all people that hear a preacher or hear uh, somebody talking about the Bible to take everything in, listen to it, but then go back and check it against Scripture and make sure that what you heard is right. And because I'm your brother in Christ, I would really appreciate it if you let me know if something I said wasn't, uh, because I want to correct that. So, listen to everything I say, <laughs> and if it's wrong... Make sure you find out, and then let me know. Okay, let's move on to uh, how do I understand the Bible better? Uh, what well, we talked about before, we talked about inspiration from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about uh, its counterpart, which is illumination. If I was a better audio technician, I would have added some kind of twinkling along that word and and, uh, you know, you could have closed your eyes and imagined this word inspiration coming up out of this calm, reflective pond with trees and maybe a little bit of mist just above the tree line. And there's some sparkles and I don't know, it sounds like Tinkerbell's home or something like that. But uh, if I was better at audio technician uh, kind of work and, and could edit audio, I would say illumination and fun sound effects would go. But let's talk about illumination. What is illumination? Essentially, illumination is the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Bible in a more fuller sense. Now, this uh, this is a, a definitely a cause for debate on how exactly it works and how exactly it happens. Um, you know, there have been guys uh, as far back as as Saint Augustine, and I'm sure even before him, uh, in the year. I want to say 300 and maybe 80, um, 380 or 400. Some, he was, he was around those years. He was around the year 400, um, AD, I should, I should mention. And, uh, and, and him and, and John Calvin, they kind of, you know, in order built off of each other and, and there's this idea that man can't fully understand the word of God because we are fallen. We have this sinful nature. And, and so how could we fully understand the word of God? Now, I hear that and I, I understand where they're coming from. Um, and I think that, you know, they, they bring up some really good points. I think there are also some, um, some drawbacks to this idea of, of illumination or rather, um, drawbacks that you might face if if um, you have friends that are interested in Christianity. Here are some questions that you might face uh, while talking about illumination. Uh, for one, 
the the conclusion uh, you know by those who are oppositional to the theory of illumination is that God's word is not understandable in its in its um, true form and and uh, therefore the message of God is incomplete. See, this is kind of a this is a drawback, I think, because you would want somebody to be able to understand the word of God. How else is somebody going to become a Christian without um, without being able to understand the word of God? Now, there are obviously solutions to this as well. So that, that might be a, a question that you are faced with. I think that it's a very valid question as well. Um, but in a lot of senses, we we are called to be a part of God's mission. We are called to go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them and teaching them uh, everything that God has commanded of us. Um, so, illumination is the idea that we cannot understand Scripture fully unless we have the Holy Spirit. And there are many people who read the Bible who are not yet Christians because they are curious and they want to know more about God. And some of those people may not have a Christian in their life. So what about them? What happens to them? I think that's kind of the biggest, the biggest drawback of this theory, or rather the biggest question that you'll face. And this isn't me saying I don't believe in illumination. I actually do. I think the Holy Spirit does help us understand the Scripture um, to a deeper level, to a more full, um, a more full capacity. But what about those people? I think it's important that we ask ourselves these questions. I think it's important that we explore these questions. Now, I I think that it's very very possible that if somebody is curious, God's going to speak to them. I mean, look at Paul, for example. He wasn't curious at all, or I should say Saul. You know, he wasn't curious uh, about um, the God that, you know, that actually wrote the Bible. He was interested in in persecuting Christians. He was interested in his own agenda, um, and God met him. He was oppositional, and God met him. So I think if somebody is, you know, maybe they haven't crossed that line of faith, but they're in the Bible. They're in the Word. They're they're discovering who God is. They're searching for answers. They're searching for God. I believe God will meet them. But I don't necessarily think that God is only going to meet them miraculously. I think he also wants to meet them through us. I think that God wants to use us for his mission. I think that he wants to take you and I, and he wants to kick us out of our comfort zone and walk down the road and knock on our neighbor's house and say, hey man, uh, I'm a Christian. I I don't know why I feel provoked to tell you this, but I was just wondering if you'd want to talk about it sometime over coffee. Um, or perhaps you you know of a friend who's starting to ask questions. Maybe they're, they're, they're bringing up ideas like what the meaning of life is or, or these big contemplative questions. God wants to meet that person through you. And that's our job. We're going to have a big focus this year on discipleship. And I think we need to we need to start focusing on 
on discipleship and uh, you know this this concept of discipling somebody of talking to them about our faith of of letting them talk through their faith or their struggles or their questions or or their what do what do people say these days like their their spirituality so like they're not religious but they're spiritual God wants to use us to meet those people and and this idea of discipleship it it bleeds into every aspect of Christianity you know we're talking about the foundation of the Bible and discipleship bleeds into it it bleeds into it because Holy Spirit is so um, so central to the Bible Holy Spirit is involved in the writing and the understanding he's involved in the writing and the reading what I think is really cool about illumination is that we have Holy Spirit inside of us. We have God living inside of us. We have the author of the book on a direct hotline. And he has, when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, he has a direct line back to us. And so I think for sure, of course we're going to be able to understand the Bible on a deeper level because we have Holy Spirit. We have God on a direct hotline. No wonder we're going to be able to understand the Bible a little bit deeper. I mean, even a regular book. Uh, you know, I remember when I was in high school, I had to write a book report. And I believe it was The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. And I didn't understand the question that I had to answer. Um, or rather, I, I couldn't find the part of the book that the question w was referring to because I just didn't understand the book. I didn't get it. Now, of course, there was no, no Holy, like Holy Spirit wasn't going to, you know, necessarily give me the answer to a Margaret Atwood question. Um, and there was no, no, uh, well, yeah, anyway. Um, so what did I do? Um, I was a little bit ambitious. I created a Twitter account and, uh, I tweeted at Margaret Atwood. I said, Margaret, um, this is a question that I have. And, and I've actually seen other people do it since. Now, this was back in 2011 um, or 2012. I can't remember one of those years. And, uh, yeah, I reached out. I said, Margaret, I, I need the answer to this question. I don't understand this book. I don't know where it's coming from. And she she gave me a hand. She, she I think she direct messaged me back. Um, and she helped me to uh, to decipher the part of the book that I needed to understand better. And I think if that's possible, then why is it not possible that having Holy Spirit inside of us would also help us understand the Bible a little bit better? Why would why wouldn't having God on a direct line through prayer help us understand His word better? I think it does. Well, if you've made it this far, I appreciate you sticking with us. Um, I know this is a little bit different. This is a little bit different than uh, a traditional youth talk where, you know, it's normally a 15-minute chat and then we're done. Um, this is also, you know, th there's a lot of information about this. I could, I could legitimately talk for hours on it. And so I'm trying to make sure that uh, one, I don't bring up too much because then this podcast would be eight hours long. 
Um, but two, I'm trying to make sure that what I do bring up, I also um, wrap up in some way. So we will uh, we will talk about this. Uh, why do we have the Bible that we do? Question in just a second. Um, I want to just make sure that we have wrapped up the other questions. So who wrote the Bible? God. God wrote the Bible. He did it through inspiration. He used Holy Spirit, and he used the hands of humans uh, to write the books of the Bible. Um, what are the different sections of the Bible? You know, we can look at it historically. We can look at it literary. E. E. I don't know how that word works, but, uh, you know, you can look at it as poetic, prophetic, you know, redemptive, stuff like that. You could look at it Pentateuch. Um, then you've got kind of the history ledgers. Uh, then you've got the prophetic books. Oh, you've also got, before the prophetic books, you've got the the Psalms, the poetic books. Uh, then you've got the prophetic books, the major and then the minor. Then you've got the Gospels, and then you've got Acts and the early church, right? That's a very different style of book than the first uh, the first four. Uh, and then you've got, like, the letters, the epistles, uh, which are the letters of Paul. Uh, and you conclude with, with Revelation. And why are they important to know? It's Well, it's because they, they affect how we read and understand the Bible. You know, we talked about this Leviticus idea where... Uh, some scripture is applicable to our life and we're supposed to apply it. And some uh, some scripture that we read doesn't necessarily need to be applied as, as a fix to our life or as a prescription um, in our life, but rather is uh, to provide us better understanding of the culture back then. And therefore, uh, you know, we can understand the Bible more fully from that. And and I'll bring up some good examples uh, at youth. And if you ever want to ask more questions about it, um, then I encourage you to do so. In fact, if you want a little bit of a uh, little bit of homework, um, I want you to to do a little bit of research on the society, the culture, the sociology of the city of Corinth um, in ancient times, because uh, there's a lot of the book of First Corinthians that uh, that that in a lot of ways is is heavily affected by history. Um, so if you want a, a fun little uh, to do this week, uh, do a little bit of you know history research. Maybe watch a video on uh, on some of the rules that that existed in in uh, the city of Corinth. And then we just talked about uh, how do I understand the Bible better? Well, we talked about illumination, how Holy Spirit, he speaks to us. He reveals things to us uh, because God wants to, because it's God's word and and how God wants to use us to help others experience that same thing uh, as they kind of inch towards or, or um, kind of tiptoe near the, uh, the line of faith. Well, lastly, uh, why do we have the Bible that we do? Uh, this is this is a really good question because there are some uh, some denominations, some different forms of Christianity that have different Bibles. Uh, for example, the Catholics have uh, some different books than we do. Uh, in fact, the uh, using a Protestant example, there are churches in Africa that have uh, different 
different canons is what it's called, a different set of books than we do. Now, they're not all different. They're just some of them are. <coughs> so historically, the Archbishop of Alexandria, uh, his name was Athanasius, wrote his Easter letters in the year 367, which contained the exact list of books that make up our New Testament. But it was not fully accepted until the conclusion of the Council of Trent gathering in 1546. So again, we had the list of New Testament books that we have today. It was originally compiled in the year 367. Which is really cool, um, and then was accepted as canon in the year 1546, so quite a bit later. Um, that is historically why we have the canon that we do, uh, but here's what I believe. I believe that if we were meant to have a different Bible, we would have a different Bible. You know, God is fully in control. I think that if God wanted us to have a different one, we would have a different one. Um, you know, there's there are denominations and uh, Protestant denominations in Africa that have a few different books than we have, and I think it's because God wants them to have those books. I, I haven't read them, um, so I don't know much about them, um, but I believe that you know He He fully intended them to have those books because God meets us where we're at. You know, we have the books we do because those are the ones that God wants us to have, and. I think that we can always, uh, I think we can we can be hopeful of that. We can be, uh, we can rest assured. That's, that's the phrase I was looking for. Uh, because God knows what is best for us. All scripture is God-breathed. This is our canon. Now, it, it doesn't mean that we can go and start adding books to it or, or whatnot. But, um, in fact, I strongly encourage that you don't. Our Bible is the Word of God. It is the, the perfect, the inspired Word of God. Uh, and Holy Spirit will help us understand it more and more. Um, we'll talk about another time. We'll talk about kind of practices and how to read the Bible. Um, but if this, is, if this is weighing on you, uh, if you have questions and you want to just kind of go read the Bible and, and get these answers for yourself, please do that. And, and and if you want like a little tip before you read, I love before I read my Bible to just settle down, clear my head, and pray and ask God, God, if there's anything that you want to teach me as I read your word right now, if there's anything you want to say to me, if there's any word or verse that you need me to know, or that I need to know right now. I pray that you would make it so, that you would have Holy Spirit communicate that to me, that you would bring it off the page, or that you would bring it to my mind. And then I read. It's that easy. You've got Holy Spirit. All you have to do is, like Romans uh, like Romans 10.9 says, uh, if, you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And then you ask for Holy Spirit. You ask for Holy Spirit. You can ask for Holy Spirit now if you're listening. 
ask for Holy Spirit to come and live inside you. Ask for Holy Spirit to be in your life. Literally, you can just close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. I welcome you into my heart. Please enter into this temple and, and make up residence here. You could, you could pray that. And then you have Holy Spirit inside of you. That's what's so great. And then, boom, you now have the author of the Bible living with you. You have a direct line of communication with the author of the Bible. Anything that you find confusing, maybe, honestly, maybe you'll still find parts confusing. But don't be upset about that. Get excited about that. When I don't understand something in the Bible, it's awesome because it means I get to do more uh, reading. I get to research it. I get to find these answers. There's so many cool things that I'm like so excited to share with you guys this year because uh, just in personal study, I found things out like, um, you know, there's, uh, for example, I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek. There's a really famous movie uh, called 300. And in that movie, one of the bad guys is the uh, is the actual King Xerxes that married Esther from the Bible. And I think that's super cool. Because if you watch that movie, King Xerxes is terrifying. And Esther had the guts to stand up to him and potentially die for doing so. So it's these little things where... When you like, when you don't understand something or something's confusing, you get to do just a little bit more reading or a little bit more research, and then all of a sudden, God will just reveal things to you, and it's it's just fantastic. So, I want to conclude before I get too excited and, and just start recording another podcast right now. Um, of course, this is a deeper dive into what we're talking about. So, at youth, you've you probably heard some of these things. Um, this is more of a conversation. I'm going to be bringing other people on here. Um, I'm hoping next week that maybe we'll get another pastor on here, like uh, Pastor Amy or or Pastor Priscilla or Pastor Jerry or Pastor Lloyd. Um, we'll see if we can get one of them on here or uh, maybe another guest. So stay tuned. I look forward to uh, talking to you guys next week. I will see you at Youth on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. A uh, reminder that if you don't get the email updates, please email me. My email is nick at summitcommunity.ca. Don't forget the .ca. Some people do the .com. I will not get it. We are Canadian. We love it up here. Let's be proud. Let's use that .ca a little bit. All right. Love you guys so much, and I will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.